have you been following the price of uh, Kappa Cannon here? Yeah, it's the most expensive card on Moto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I think it was 110 tickets last time I looked. Yep. I don't know where it is now. Yeah, just absolutely insane. Just love the treasure chest redemption format. Pretty nice. I don't think anybody's like sure that it's like playable. It's just that it might be and there's none of them. So it costs infinite. Yeah, it's not a great place to be. Everything about making the set legal, but you can only get it out of treasure chests for the first day is like, I, I can't believe that we are still doing this. That's terrible. And then obviously the these cards only come in treasure chests. So if they're playable, then they cost infinite tickets is also terrible. Yeah, you used to could buy the commander decks in the moto shop, mm -hmm. like just straight up. And it was never really a problem. They took it off the program because like they weren't getting enough sales for them or something. But you got to think any number of sales is worth the time it takes you to bundle some like digital <laughs> cards together. Yeah. Apparently there's some commander cards from certain recent commander sets that just aren't on moto at all. Just never yeah, made it. They only do a selection. They only do ones they think that could be played, I guess. And That's they never so do weird. any of the ones that are commander specific. You know, there's a bunch of cycles where like if you control a commander for each time you've cast your commander this game like etc mm -hmm. etc they don't yeah they never put those on moto despite commander being a format that is you're allowed to play on moto yep and i don't know how to check the legality of moto cards without i mean jessica's will might be on moto because that card's actually played in legacy mm -hmm. yeah it's a promo but i don't know about the other ones in that cycle that's the modal spells but if you control your commander you get both copies ah uh -huh. But Jessica's Will is like a split ritual plus express iteration. Yeah, yeah. So that one's nice. Yep, just a bunch of nonsense decisions. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 232 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. Hi, Chris. I wanted to tease you about leaving the, the documents as they were from the last time, but you took it off. I did, yes. It's clever of you. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, I forget to like duplicate the show note template before making the notes and then it like screws me up for a little while until i remake the template so that's that's what happened there but we've got new cards now mm -hmm. yeah so it's going to be a pretty like casual format episode i think it's just going to be like the podcast version of when you're in twitch chat and you see a new card and then you just type new card and then whatever that face is that is like shocked at a new card and then depending on the streamer they may go on a rant about how the card is either good or bad mm -hmm. and regardless it will be in play and if it's beating them and they're complaining about how it's bad then a little bit of a delight i i do enjoy that especially when it is an obviously bad card which i, I don't really know what the cards in this set are we've only had Today's Tuesday, so we've got five days with them mm -hmm. uh, on Arena. And then on Magic Online, there's even fewer days because of the weird staggered release thing where things are available in treasure chests. And then later on, they become available in packs when the limited sets start being draftable. It's a weird, a wild release schedule. And the commander cards are just like kind of unacquirable. Yes. 
Yeah, most expensive card on Moto is the Blastoise Turtle thing. Kappa Cannoneer. Kappa Cannoneer, like 110 ticks or whatever. Yep, and you just can't get them. If you wanted to rent them, you're out of luck. You cannot get them. Oh, well, I guess. Not allowed to play Legacy in, in paper or online. I think that card's super sweet, though, too. Like, mm-hmm. I would not surprise me if it were playable. I don't know if it's excellent. No one really does. Nope. But it's can't. not 110 tickets good. <laughs> no. It's definitely not the most expensive card on Moto good, that's for sure. I mean, that's just like back in the day when Invasion was so underprinted online that Pernicious Deed was just the most expensive card in Magic <laughs> yeah. Online for a very long time. Every playable Invasion card was like incredibly expensive. I, I do remember that. It was nonsense. Yeah, because the Magic Online came out in like Torment or Judgment, one of those two, mm-hmm. and they backfilled all of the Invasion stuff. But those events went down first, so all the Invasion cards were like harder to find. Yeah. And that's how they they just thought that idea was so good. They decided to implement that for Commander and put them only in like <laughs> only treasure, in treasure chests. chests. Beautiful. And so to try to like mise the lottery ticket, you have to save your treasure chests until after a new set releases and then wade through opening chests that are like five play points and some rare you've never heard of from like original champions of Kamigawa. So I love it when people open their shirts just in masks because I get to see a bunch of cards that I'd never think about twice. <laughs> like the last time I thought about this card was the last time we were opening treasure chests. Yep. Oh, there's a Hokori Dust Drinker. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. And Hell, uh, what's, what's Hellraiser? Is that the Ravnica triple black destroys a land and untaps if it's non-basic? Uh, that's Helldozer. Helldozer. Thank you. Sorry. Listen, <laughs> if you're going to... You know, if you're going to say any of the like top five most metal names in all of Magic, you gotta gotta get it. That one didn't make the metal secret layer, so I don't even know what we're talking about. Oh, it that is true. I don't know how, but like, if I were going to start a band and had to name it a Magic card, like that would be my first go-to. When you're an ad nauseum player and you can only spoil the vault from metal cards. <laughs> so, should we? run through our new card alerts like format by format i guess yeah you want to start with standard i guess that's the most the new cards and the new bands are here people it has the most impact because you know you could play it on arena yes and i think people are playing more standard than alchemy it seems like i (laughs) actually played a little bit of alchemy today just because uh chris patella posted a list that i thought was sweet so I just wanted to play a couple of matches. Uh, and it took me like three minutes to find a match each time. So I don't know. I don't know if Alchemy is dead or if it's just because I hadn't played in a while. So I was bronze. So I had and I kept getting matched up against like diamond players. So that diamond or mythic players. And that was the only people who were playing. So I don't really know what's going on with Alchemy. But I do know that Alchemy, it's like kind of bad just because like town racer tyrant exists mostly and that cuts off a lot of like ways that you're allowed to play the game because you have to always be ready to deal with town racer tyrant and you can't really rely on you know it's it's having a wasteland like effect on the format with the casting costs you can put in your deck and reliably do yeah that, that card would i wouldn't be surprised if that card took another hit from watsy well, yeah, especially if they didn't wanna. really take it the first one so yeah especially since they crippled all the other uh, like monocolor decks beforehand so 
no one's just jamming a million basics in their deck anyway. Yep, I did play against a dungeon deck. Oh, it was. How did you lose? Uh, it was not. It was not a very good deck. I <laughs> cast Allrun's Epiphany and then they died. That's illegal. Not in Alchemy. I I think Alchemy will probably get more attention when that Alchemy set comes out in like a month. I don't think we have a release date on that. Well, yeah, it's after the set championship. We know that. Yes. So probably second week of March, third week of March, something yeah, like that. Something like that. Yeah, we'll pay a little more attention to alchemy at that point, too. And hopefully people will actually be in the queue for that. But standard wise. So obviously standard is more or less impossible to get a, a real pulse on right now. All I've been able to do really is watch streams. There's really no deck lists or anything from anywhere. You know, that's what we got. But. I can definitely give impressions of just how cards have been performing, what people have been putting in decks, and what has and has not looked good. One thing that stands out just from the start is that, and, and remember this is all in the context of Allrun's Epiphany is now banned in the format, so, you know, a lot more and different cards are playable. So, Wedding, wedding Invitation? Uh, which Wedding one is Invitation. It? I also want to point out that Divide by Zero also banned yes. matters a lot for a bunch of these decks. It's, it's Wedding Invitation. No, it's not. It's Wedding Announcement. Is it really? Yeah. What's the backside? What, I'm thinking of a different card. It must be. The backside is Wedding Festivity. Wedding Announcement and Wedding Festivity. Okay. Yeah. Because the backside is the anthem and the front yes. side makes the creatures. Okay, got it. Cool. Wedding Announcement. Just to give some context to the format, because Allrun's Epiphany is banned, now Wedding Announcement has become like one of the premier cards in the format because mid-rangey stuff is really good. And this is one of the most mid-rangey cards, just this anthem that like draws cards or makes blockers or whatever. Uh, and so like the white, black or Esprit decks that are using that and sort of the sacrifice package are, are pretty powerful and kind of a baseline for performance in the format. So one kind of brand new thing is that Mono Red got like five different cards in this set and it has now become like a, a pretty reasonable choice it looks like the it has great draws if nothing else kumano faces kakazan is you know so i think like rabbit battery is a better one drop for like all formats considered but for standard purposes kumano faces kakazan is the red uncommon saga this is one mana, level one, it deals one damage to your opponent. On two, when you cast a creature spell this turn, it comes in with a plus one, plus one counter. Just one creature. You only get one counter yeah, out of it. Yeah, the first creature. Uh, and then it turns into a 2-2 two, two haste that whenever one of your opponent's creatures dies to damage, you exile it. So it's just like a lot of stats for one mana. And when you like play it on one and play a, a Bloodthirsty Adversary on turn two, and then you're just attacking for infinite damage on turn three and so you have these really really good draws and then there's a couple of good fours whether you want to play the dragon or you want to play the the raiju raiju and that's like enough to make a perfectly acceptable mono red deck it is still missing the burn spell it doesn't have a burn spell at all basically yeah like, there's no reach in the deck yes like i've seen kami's flare in the deck which is very much a limited only card uh, that's a two mana instant that deals three to a creature or planeswalker, I assume. And if you have a modified creature, it deals two damage to the controller. And like you can get the two damage, but you know, you'd way rather play Lightning Strike than this card. I've also seen Magic Missile, which is not <laughs> at, at a mana to damage ratio that you're allowed to do in Constructed. It's certainly not an aggressive deck. 
Yeah. Yeah. But the one drops are really good. You know, Bloodthirsty Adversary is just as a two mana mythic two mana two two haste is good. And then you have good fours. And so it puts together some really, really scary draws. And, you know, you have to deal with shambling ghasts, which is not the best. But on the bright side, if you have a flipped Kumano in play, then when it blocks, they don't get a dice trigger off of it. So sometimes that stuff works out in your favor. But the the red deck is real, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, not super surprising to me. The red deck got so many different versions of cards you can play. And the curve lowered a lot, which mm-hmm. is important. Because one of the best things about the Kamigawa set was that there's actually good one mana cards. Yes. Yeah, quite a few of them. And we're also going to talk about the limited format a little bit after talking about new cards in Constructed. So, And that's a pretty big deal for that limited format that I'll mention later. Kind of the other deck that just popped up that like hadn't existed at all in any way, shape, or form because it just couldn't is, for the especially for the first couple of days of the new cards being out, the green-white enchantment deck was really, really popular. And this is mostly new cards there's the two mana two two lifelink that makes your enchantments cost one less a jukai naturalist and weaver of harmony that pumps your enchantment creatures and then it just plays uh some sagas including restoration of a ganjo which is the one that searches up a plains and then on uh chapter two you can discard a card and then if you do you return a permanent with cmc two or less to the battlefield and then it flips into like a Brimaz, basically. The deck has seemed okay. The It's like really, did you draw the right combination of cards together? Like if you made your enchantments cheaper and they didn't kill your creature that's making your enchantments cheaper. And then you just like drop a bunch of spirited companions and then a lord for enchantment creatures. Then you can do a lot with the deck. And it also plays Hallowed Haunting, which is the enchantment that makes a token every time you cast an enchantment spell. And has some other text but mostly just like <laughs> makes a bunch of power and toughness so this is like the mid-rangiest of mid-rangey decks that you could possibly build and it exists because there's no all runs epiphany in the format anymore it makes me wish that we could see what theros's enchantment stuff had to offer with kamigawa and mm-hmm. they just missed each other completely yeah, yeah. i i mean assuming uro never existed in this alternate reality and yeah it of course just completely dominate the format but whatever i don't think this deck really even like misses the Theros, like it has like the enchantment well, I, I would wants. just be interested in like seeing what you could do with it mm-hmm. more or less yeah i mean i would love to have access to enigmatic incarnation in this format sure it's a pet card of yours <laughs> i do love that card even outside of the like full enchantment deck restoration of a ganja has looked like reasonable it's not like an overwhelmingly powerful card and you do really want to have a fair amount of two mana permanence in your deck so that you know you can kind of get that mana discount you know, you put three into it up front you're getting a brim as in a couple of turns you'd probably usually rather get like a two mana permanent out of the chapter two than a land most of the time so it's not going to work for every deck but it does create this like a lot of times in standard it's like the scary thing that i know i need to have juari disruption up for is like on four mana and this is a reasonably scary thing on three mana that's going to turn into a permanent that has like too much toughness for a lot of spells to kill and like does some value stuff on the way in so uh it, it 
it's been a pretty acceptable card. I, I like Restoration of a Ganjo, I think. I, I imagine it plays really well with Wedding Announcement if people are doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bream Eyes with Pump Spell, with Anthems, that's nice. Yes, yeah. I, and Wedding Announcement, or Wedding... Yes, wedding announcement. I cannot. I don't. I can't believe they have a card named wedding invitation and a card named wedding announcement in the same set. They're completely distinct as well. <laughs> yes, despite having basically being synonyms. Yeah, but wedding announcement definitely really powerful and uh, has generally been played mostly with the like sacrifice suite more than stuff like restoration of a ganjo. But I bet you could do both of them together. Like who? You know, we haven't seen a tenth of a percent of what you can do in this format yet. I, all I've been able to do is flip through Twitch and see what people are playing. Yeah, like there's there are some tournaments this weekend on like release weekend, kind of. Uh, like Croquis' tournament is coming up, for mm-hmm. instance, and that's always a pretty big one, just in terms of numbers. So I'm I'm definitely interested in coming back to standard and seeing what people are doing once we have way more data on it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Have you seen the red black decks people are posting? Uh, Oni Coat Anvil or Mukatai Soul Reaper kind of deals. I ha- I don't think I've seen any of the actual lists for that. No, I, I can't pull one up because finding lists are impossible. <laughs> yes, but they're they're kind of what you would expect, like uh, Deadly Dispute, kind of Volt uh, Experimental Synthesizer, I Twitch Oni Coat Anvil, and the Meat Hook Masker. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just playing a sacrifice deck that's designed to grind, and Shambling Ghast, of course, yep. forever. Uh, Shambling Ghast is really cool with Oni Colt Anvil because the treasures make the, to- the first uh, token. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. Yeah, that is really nice. And you can sacrifice the treasure to make mana and get a token out of it. That mm-hmm. That is really cool, yeah. Shambling Ghast is so good, man. I love yeah, that it card. Is. It's a nice one. I wish it were in a different set. <laughs> It, well, there had to be one cool card from that set, right? Like, I don't know if I like any other card. Deadly Dispute. <sighs> okay, yeah, that's fair. They're both the same card. They're, they're, they're just the treasure-producing yeah. sacrifice cards. <laughs> Definitely my favorite two cards out of that set by quite a bit. I mean, the only cards in that set we're talking about are the ones that say treasure somewhere in their tax box. And the lands that they just yes. made untapped man lands, so they were going to be good. Yeah, the, those are very good. I've actually really liked the look of the red black decks. I don't know if, like, people are playing that enchantment creature that is really expensive to sacrifice something and draw a card. It's mm-hmm. like a one drop. I don't know the name of it. Oh, uh, the Dockside Chef, chef or whatever. Chef? It's, okay. it's some sort of, it, it cooks something. Yeah, Dockside Chef. Yep. Yeah, people are playing that, and that card, I don't know about it. Like, I, I just think if these decks can get refined there's like something good there I, i've really liked oni colt anvil and what it does to let you grind and close a game out like it's pretty efficient in that self-contained package sure so i'm interested to see if people can like get a handle on this so i did see one list with chef in it that i thought it was fine in and that's because it also had soul transfer which is one black black for a modal spell that it's oh. either a, a sorcery speed hero's downfall or it's like a raise dead or it can get back up a, a planeswalker with that side but if you have an artifact and an enchantment in play you get to choose both modes so it's like a, a pretty powerful grindy card if you're able to reasonably do both modes and dockside chef is an enchantment creature but basically like there's 
a million different things that you can do if you start with like the shambling gas core. And so you can do black white stuff with wedding announcement. You can do cut. There's way less incentive to do mono black because there's no faceless haven, and then you don't really want to do blood on the snow that much. And so I think mono black is kind of out. And you'll also lose to like the wedding announcement or Edgar type decks because that they just have better cards than you. But but you can do you know white black. You can do that red black kind of stuff. You can do even some sort of like green black or sultai ish kind of nonsense. Uh, there, there's just like a lot of things you can do when you start with that package because the treasures are so powerful. The card advantage engine with the deadly dispute is so good. And if we're in a mid-rangey format where you don't have to worry about people going massively over the top of you, then figure out a way to grind very well. And this is a really nice starting place. So that package fits into like a lot of bigger strategies too. I I also like the red decks a little more because you get to play Den of the Bugbear and Zokanzan, mm-hmm. which are both very good. Yeah, yeah, that is really true. Yeah, the lands that make some creatures for you to do stuff with is like, mm-hmm. that's pretty Excellent. sick. I have not seen much in the way of vehicle stuff in standard, uh, except for like a little bit of the sacrifice decks that are using that vehicle, the black vehicle. But I think that you know people are trying out new stuff and not doing as much like asika's chariot stuff but asika's chariot is still real real good and there's extra things to do with it now even just given the fact that like it has the artifact type is like kind of a big deal because there's so many artifact and enchantment synergy things in this set you know you're probably not playing like michiko's reign of truth and Asika's chariot in the same deck, but there's plenty of stuff to do with vehicles or artifacts or whatever. And, you know, Asika's chariot is also just good enough as a card with no synergies. So I've I've seen a couple of Tamiyo Asika's chariot decks. Yeah. Not a not many, but they and they were all like pretty obviously untuned. Right. Uh, but there's like something to that. Like that's a really good curve and synergy. Yes. Yeah. Uh and especially like if you have some sort of blood token or discarding or something like that, if you, you don't need to rely on them to kill your Azika's chariot, so you're you know you're doing stuff, and then at some point your your five mana play is Tamio bring back an Azika's chariot, deal with this board is really impressive. Yeah, I haven't been wowed with the creature base because most of these decks I've seen have been green blue, mm-hmm. which is not you know rolling in high quality creatures that aren't just a green <laughs> right yeah so so the one that i had seen with soul transfer and dockside chef is you know a sultai deck it's like base green black kind of like splashing tamio and running like a lot of the sacrifice stuff as its core oh and like a and as a way to crew the chariot and yep. tamio is just a splash yeah. i like that yeah yeah i could see that I think Tamiya is a really good splash card. I think it's like a pretty bad green-blue card, but it's like a very good black-green card, so... Yeah, I can see that. People are still just tinkering with all sorts of stuff. Yeah, there's no answers. This show has no answers to, like, what you should be doing in Standard. All all I can say is, like, what has looked pretty good and what has not looked that good. I know we're team shambling cast, I think. That's pretty conclusive. I've been, yeah. I mean, I cast Shambling Guest whenever I have an opportunity to. Every time that I have been allowed to in Standard, I just have. And then, you know, All Runs Epiphany got real good. And so that I just like stopped for a while. But then, as soon as Alchemy became a thing, tried it in there. All Runs Epiphany get banned. 
time to play some shambling gas. It's just like I love one mana spells that like do that just like punch way above their weight class, and shambling gas is one of those cards. I mean, they don't even need to be that much above their weight class. They just need to do something, which is a rare quality in one drops nowadays. Yeah. Well, not not with Kamigawa, but previously. Well, I guess what I mean is like contribute to your like larger game plan and not just yeah, be like yeah. attacking and blocking and like like Stitcher Supplier. Yeah. This is my like favorite headliner of one drops. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a perfect example. As we are in a mid-range focused format, and we did just get you know, we talked about Tamiyo a little bit. Tamiyo has looked okay. Uh, Kaido Shizuki and Wandering Emperor have both looked, like, pretty playable. I've seen just a bunch of them in lists, and I've seen a bunch of them on battlefields, and they seem pretty fine. I've seen the Wandering Emperor. I like that card. Mm-hmm. I have not seen Kaito. What decks have you seen Kaito in? So, I think the Ninja's decks that I have seen are really bad. I don't think yes, that they are functional <laughs> at all. So, I've seen Kaito a little bit more in like sultai type lists uh it's like a value engine kind yeah of deal. just as a value engine not as like a ninja enabler or anything like that just creature heavy deck usually with the sacrifice base because you always have a creature to attack with and throw away and get a little value out of and then that turns on your kaito's plus for the turn just like a million ways to to make the sacrifice deck speaking of sacrificing i remember one of the oni cult anvil synergies that i forgot to mention earlier is the uh the vehicle plus magda yes it gives you extra treasures to sacrifice to the vehicle or the the anvil and it's it's really nice that magda's just extremely good with vehicles that is awesome i actually wrote that in here that's like oh, the you? last bullet point is standard is soul oh. ripper with magda is neat yeah but yeah that... yeah but you're, you're you're talking about jund i was talking about something else <laughs> <laughs> just straight red yeah i mean in the, so the Jun deck for that, I think, is only green for a Seeker's Chariot, really. Yeah, like, just the best vehicle. You can you can also make it heavier green, and you can put Jaspera Sentinel in there. But, like, that's your main payoff for making it green. And Jaspera Sentinel and Magda is fantastic, but I think that you may be better served by being a black-red deck, splashing green off of, like, mostly treasures and some lands to make Pathways. the Seeker's Chariot. Yeah. yeah. I have seen some Reckoner Bankbusters... That card is probably better than I was giving it credit for. I think I didn't realize like just how mid-rangey the format would be, and having a card that can sort of like flip roles between a controlling card and a board affecting card. I, I think it's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's it's. I, I understand. It's hard to get in that frame of mind when you know we've been yeah. playing with Allruns a bit for the past right. six months. <laughs> <laughs> but drawing cards against the control decks is actually relevant now so the the text on this card has meaning in most matchups and i don't think you want to like overload on it but it is a pretty reasonable card so one card that i want to talk about some is and i want to get the full name of this card it's hinata dawn crowned so one blue red white for a 4-4 flying trample uh, it's legendary Kirin Spirit. Spells you cast cost one less for each target. Spells your opponents cast cost one more to cast for each target. So I'd seen this card and I had been like, oh, that's neat. Like your negates only cost one mana with this in play. So it's like pretty easy to get it out. But I didn't like think about, I couldn't think of anything you could like do with it. Like what's the point? But it turns out that the point is Magma Opus and Magma Opus has at least three targets so with Hinata out at most magma opus is going to cost five mana 
And if you spread the damage around, you can get Magma Opus as low as two mana. And that is worth building around. Uh, that's really, really good. So this was an interaction I did know about. Uh-huh. Someone had pointed out to me like when the card was spoiled. But I didn't like it's a just it's a tricolor card. Yeah. And and Magma Opus is a very expensive card we don't have a not in play. So I was just like, just gonna let's see how that one plays out. That's, really... that's fair. I played an alchemy a little bit today, just deck that uh Chris Patello came up with, and it's like an epiphany-ish deck, and you're running like a lot of the normal cards from epiphany decks including galvanic iteration and unexpected windfall and it like works but i feel like it's not making the most of what it can do and like the epiphany obviously epiphany and alchemy is like a really unsatisfying card to cast there's like a lot of hoops you have to jump through to make it do anything at all and it just generally kind of sucks and then your deck has like all these unexpected windfalls and galvanic iterations in it that if you're not like putting them together then it's like bunch of kind of medium cards but what i was really impressed with was when i got to put out hinata dawn crowned either like i had made a treasure and so then i played it on turn four with negate backup or played it on turn five with negate backup they just couldn't do anything about it and then i had a magma opus in hand it's just like you can't lose the game after that point it's just really really good so i knew about the the magma opus interaction but because that was basically maximizing hinata mm-hmm I never really thought about it in terms of making single target things cheaper, like yeah. down to one mana, like in a gate, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually way more appealing to me. Yes. Because that that's pretty good. It is pretty good. And I think that combination of things, and also the Jeskai cost is basically a non-issue with the lands that we have in standard. I just never had mana problems. So uh, I think with the... Pathways, slow lands. Pathways and slow lands and... Just just works. So I wouldn't worry about being a tricolor and 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 treasures. Like there's just incidental treasures, however you're doing this, including off of your magma opus. So And you get Goldspan Dragon too. <laughs> yeah, you can you can also run Goldspan Dragon. That probably is a route that you want to go to. Like, yeah, basically turning Is it Dragons into Jeskai Dragons and having this be your four, and it, that's a way better four than the other dragons that we've been running in that Jes- slot. Jeskai Kirins now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, so it can't be exactly dragons, I guess, because you don't get dragon's fire off of this card. So that's well, you probably dragon's fire is probably still good enough. Yeah, it's probably still good enough because it's probably among the better removal spells in the standard right now. Yeah, and and I don't know exactly how you build this to. So you have magma opus in your deck. It's really good with Hinata. Goldspan Dragon is also fine at helping you ramp to Magma Opus. So that may be enough that like Magma Opus is an acceptable card in your deck. You are then maybe playing one of the bigger games in town between your counter magic and Magma Opus. And you get to be the control deck in the world of mid-range decks. And, you know, that might be a really good spot to be in. Yeah, I think it's a, a neat starting point. Mm-hmm. There's... A lot of threats in these mid-range decks, aggro decks, that are like really recursive. Mm-hmm. So I'd be a little worried about that, a little hesitant. Yeah. But if you can go over the top with Magma Opus and these large flyers, I think you've got a shot at building a deck. Yeah. And I mean, that's why, because of the recursive threats, that's why I like that you are killing them back 
pretty hard, like in the air where their Shambly gas can't block you, tap down whatever they have with Magma Opus, like punch them. Kind of similar to what All Rounds Epiphany was doing, like I don't have to kill all your stuff if I can just copy an Epiphany and then attack you with birds. So this is like kind of similar idea. <laughs> you may still end up running some number of Galvanic iterations because Galvanic iterationing a Magma Opus when you have a Nada in play is pretty lights out. They're pretty dead after that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it's even cheaper in your graveyard if you have an auto in play, right? Because it has to target something. No, it doesn't target. It's just the next spell that you cast gets copied. Oh, you're so. right. You're right. You're right. It's not a fork. Yeah. Can't live the dream. There seems to be some bug in implementation with a copied magma opus. Like it really wants you to choose the same number of targets as for your first magma opus you can choose different targets but you have to maintain the number of targets when you copy a spell yeah the way that it like handles that if you don't have enough targets anymore to choose or when you're doing the copy it just like locks up basically and it makes you choose as many targets as you can and then it like doesn't really know what to do with the damage so it just assigns one to each of them even if that doesn't add up to four and then it resolves. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Maybe leave that interaction at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what's going on there. Maybe that's how it's supposed to work. I don't know. I doubt you. I don't know. I, who knows? Magma Opus has a million little yeah. thing, like fiddly targets and stuff. And copying spells with that is always weird. I, I'd probably have to look it up. Who knows? Oh, and keep in mind, too, that if you're trying to get the maximum discount on your Magma Opus, you can't tap the things that you're targeting for damage. Just a thing to think about is that if if one of your tap targets is the same as a damage target, then you you don't have enough targets to reduce it all the way. You know, I've, I've done plenty of Shambling Gas stuff, and I've really enjoyed it. That interaction, the Magma Opus Hinata type deck, is kind of the most exciting and fun thing that I've found so far. And if I were trying to break standard this weekend and like win, I guess I assume there's like a croquis tournament or something like that. If I were trying to do that, I would try to build a magma opus deck that I'm really confident versus the various sacrifice cores. And then if I have that, then I would be pretty excited to go into the tournament with that deck. That that would be the route that I would take this weekend. I'd probably still do sacrifice stuff. Because I really enjoy Oni Cold Anvil. Sure. But I think Anod is a really good way to go. <laughs> and I mean, if you're, same thing though, if you're doing sacrifice stuff, make sure you understand what your plan is for the mirror and just generally like feel favored. Like know, know how to do it and, and come up with something that you think is like good for the mirror. Uh, and I think Anvil is probably a good way because you can't kill each other through combat in the sacrifice matchups and getting extra drains can really help you power through a game and extra bodies too mm -hmm. also this is just a card but i think i just didn't know that springleaf avenger existed is this the six mana green ninja yeah i i just like actually i think it's only five right yeah I, I don't know how I just like missed that this card even existed. There's three green green for a six five insect ninja with ninjutsu three and a green. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. I don't know like what exactly this works in and it is kind of expensive, but 
it's such a huge payoff for successfully ninjutsuing it once. Like, it's a gigantic body, and then it gets you a regrowth for a permanent. And I don't know exactly where it works, but I definitely, like, overlooked that this card even existed, and I would be interested in doing something with it somewhere. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't have that much to say about this card in particular. Yeah, I can Ninjutsu is a very deceptively powerful thing to do mm -hmm. that I could see. Like returning a Seeker's Chariot with this card is incredible, but yeah. you, you then you use it on a Seeker's Chariot. You know, like <laughs> there's there's probably something you can do with this. I just don't know where to even begin with it. I mean, even just like straight mono green, like this seems like a great way to get through some sort of grindy matchup. Just like yeah here we go let me start rebuying all my stuff that you have killed and uh also and this is a six throw five. your entire team into their team and they're like uh, i can't block everything like i would be, <laughs> i'd be way less interested in this card if it were like sized more how you would expect a card like this to be like if this were a four four and everything else on the card were the same then that would seem like like I wouldn't like I wouldn't be like wow this is way too expensive for what it is. It's like oh that's like proper sizing for a magic card of this type. But this is just a 6/5 and I feel like you're getting like plus 2 plus 1 for free on this card almost. Yeah, it does feel weird that something so large is a ninja. Mm, yes. Like if Primeval Titan was a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, look who's a sneaky one. Did you see that Photoshop that's like is it a scene from Spider-Man 1 where Willem Dafoe's like, you know, I'm something of a... And it's just replacing yeah. the text with, you know, I'm something of a ninja myself. And it's got like Emrakul's face over Willem Dafoe's <laughs> face. Yeah. I did see that, yeah. Yeah, the first, that's from the first Spider-Man. That's what I thought. One of the better Spider-Mans. That whole series is excellent. Well, hold on. <laughs> For different reasons. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can appreciate Spider-Man 3 for certain things not not for being a good movie though oh no, no 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 that that's not part of its charm does it really have charm i i felt like that movie was attacking me the whole time i watched it which was only for half of the length of that movie because i couldn't complete it see i haven't seen it in over a decade <laughs> <laughs> so i mostly just remember it fondly as a a movie i saw while young yeah yes that's reasonable i couldn't finish watching it it was just so brutal yeah i could imagine that's about all the standard stuff that i am aware of to talk about i would probably steer clear of mono red this weekend unless you really have figured out a way to like beat through the sacrifice decks but i'm not confident that that really exists and i think shambling guests are just kind of the default thing around and and what you want to be ready for I think Monterey got a lot of good tools out of the set, but mm -hmm. I don't think it's a real deck yet. And I could be wrong, but it just doesn't seem like it. There's so many more sets in standard before we have like a full standard. Yeah. And if red gets as much from like the next few sets as it did from this one, it will be a real deck. I just don't think it's there yet. Yeah. Yeah. So expanding a little bit in format size, I guess uh, Pioneer is like real easy. The aura's deck just got crazy powerful really fast See, you you called this when you said that light pause would be good in the aura's deck mm -hmm. and i read the card like eight more times and i agreed with you <laughs> yeah i mean but I, I think that may be like why 
it's a little bit surprising and the card like didn't get that much hype and it's like oh wow auras is really good it's just like nobody knew what the card did i so scrolling through twitter today i saw multiple people talking about how good light pause is in pioneer and multiple people responding to those threads being like i didn't even know it did something like right does <laughs> right i saw somebody saying like oh i thought that it only got a cheaper aura than the one you cast but uh it's like way better than i thought it was yeah yeah that's the card is tricky to get through all the words and understand what they mean <laughs> it's a lengthy one it but is. it is really good so in the pioneer deck basically what it means is you always have uh ethereal armor you just have a lot mm-hmm. of them. If you have one in your hand, then you cast a different one mana aura first, and then you put your ethereal armor on your light paws and get something else. If, if you have one mana enchantments in your hand and you untap with light paws, then you're just attacking for like 15 or something. Like your opponent is dead very, very quickly. And yeah, light paws is really, really strong. It's She's like a, a core spirit dancer, like amped up. Yeah. Yes, because it's drawing you exactly what you want, which is a zero mana version of an aura onto <laughs> your guy. And that's really good. Also, the fact that Kaya's ghost form now finally works on Magic Online, apparently. So it will oh, neat. actually protect your creature. And so then you can rebuild if they manage to take it out. And if they don't, then they just die. I think that until the metagame adjusts, this is clearly the most powerful thing to be doing in Pioneer. But it is an aura's deck. There are things you can do to beat it. But this is also a Luris deck, and so maybe the things that you do to try to beat it just make you bad against the fact that they have an eighth card that rebuys all of their stuff. Uh, we'll see how Pioneer shakes out. Like That format has a very good mix of combo decks that don't care about that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a good shot that the format just kind of self-corrects yeah. in that regard. I think there is but... there's a little bit of problem for those decks in that this is a deck that has a very fast goldfish every time that it draws a light pause and it also is a thought seize deck but mm-hmm. that's not an unsolvable problem necessarily yeah a lot of the combo decks like the one i'm thinking of primarily is Jeskai's Ascendancy. it mm-hmm. plays a million either portal hold or chain to the rocks or both yeah so. yeah that's true yeah i think it's just a light pause is a really 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 good pickup for the auras decks mm-hmm I think it's a good addition to Pioneer, and I don't know if it'll just dominate, but it, it certainly makes the format more interesting. It does seem unlikely that an Aura deck will ever dominate a format because it just seems like there's so many built-in vulnerabilities that if you have to go hard to exploit them, you can. So hopefully it's fine. The other new Pioneer deck is also one I've seen in Historic, mm-hmm. uh, which is just Grease Fang reanimating the Parhelion. <laughs> Parhelion the second. Parhelion two, yeah. Just throw a building at him. If all else fails, that's just throw a building at him. This deck is so much more powerful in Historic than it is in Pioneer. Yeah, you have Faithless Looting in Historic. So you have Faithless Looting, and you also, for some reason, have Goblin Engineer. Did you did you know that you have Goblin Engineer in Historic? I, I actually did know that Goblin Engineer was in Historic because it was so laughably. When they added it to Historic, you just couldn't do anything with mm-hmm. it. It didn't make any sense to add to Historic. And now it's just like, Entomb with a body attached for yeah. your reanimation target. Uh, so the Historic deck, it, it seems fine. Like, I watched Nassif play it. It seemed fine and powerful and, like, kind of just, like, on par with the rest of the format. But, you know, you can lose to Phoenix. Like, 
if people have the removal spells for your Grease Fang, then it gets difficult to do the thing. I mean, on the bright side, like, if they're spending a bunch of effort on hate cards, then Sky Sovereign is, like, a really good, like, I can just cast this for five mana and then crew it with my creatures and kill you with it. And it, if you have rest in peace in play, it doesn't matter. I have the boat. But overall, I think that this deck is, like, cool and decent, but not gonna, like bust any doors down really yeah i think this uh, the same I, I think the same is true also in pioneer mm -hmm. where you're working with much weaker cards like uh, faithless mending faithful mending yeah and right you're just much less consistent and then you do also have to contend with like those combo decks we were talking about and the parhelion just it's a good body it makes a couple angels too but grease fang is not that sturdy <laughs> yes i mean the third toughness is really nice, or else you would never reanimate Parhelion against uh, Arc against Arclight Phoenix. But yeah, it still is pretty killable as a three mana creature. I don't really know anything else that's going on in either Historic or Pioneer. It's pretty like that. Those are the big news decks that I've seen happening in those formats. Yeah, I, I looked at Pioneer deck lists, and there just weren't that many new cards. Yeah, it, it's this week on Magic Online is going to be really hard to get new cards. So that's kind of what i expected yeah especially like if you're trying to experiment with a whole new package and like i guess if you're trying to do a bunch of artifact stuff it's yeah it's mostly just like get the moon snare prototypes and then play it with the artifacts that i haven't been able to play before because you know without mox opal they're not really good enough but so i don't know what it is and well we can transition to talking about modern because i want to say some stuff about that format but I would. I was expecting there to be Moonsnare prototype decks, and I just didn't see any because it's a common, mm -hmm. really easy to like try to start building with that and Urza together. This is like the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, but just no one's doing it. Even the couple of Urza decks that did place in challenges or the PTQ have zero new cards. Not even the lands, the legendary lands. Hmm. So I think people are just kind of. Just playing their complacent decks. for now. Yeah. Just, just, just playing whatever they can. There were some new cards in the modern, mostly Lion Sash. Yeah, like almost every Stoneforge deck. That's not even true because a lot of people just got their same deck list. But <laughs> a lot of Stoneforge Mystic decks, Hammer decks, and non-Hammer decks always had a Lion Sash in them if they had any new cards in them at all. Mm -hmm. Which is to be expected. I think that's probably even a little overboard, though, because, <laughs> I mean, it, it, the, the Hammer decks, and I think Will was saying something to this effect. He tried out Lion Sash, and it was fine, but it wasn't, like, something he needed to be in his deck yeah. that often. It's not really solving that's any how, problems that the deck has or anything like that. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. But there was a, a third-place Hammer Time deck that was blue-white, uh, that played the Lion Sash and a reality chip. Ooh. Like I said, you could do in your Stoneforge Mystic Lurus decks. They just took that to heart and came in third. And I've seen a lot of screenshots from people playing with the reality chip in modern on Twitter. <laughs> and it's the battlefields get very large. I saw one that was like a hammer versus Urza, and they both had a reality chip. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that card is. It's nice that people are playing with that one. I like that one a lot. Mm -hmm. I guess the main place that I've seen Moonsnare prototype is actually in Historic in the Artifact decks. I think it like 
makes those decks a way more defensible choice that I'm much more interested in because you're just like playable artifact count is up by four and that's really really good yeah like there so grinding station actually had several finishes this weekend hmm. in the challenges uh like it top aided and it got in some like top 16 somewhere in there and that's a deck i would expect to pick up in a prototype yeah as like or or experimental uh synthesizer mm-hmm. like either one of those cards either if you want more acceleration or more like card draw velocity because mm-hmm. with grinding station you get to sacrifice it for an extra card really easily yeah but none of the deck lists had those cards in them hmm. so i i thought it's got to be like a card availability or like lack of willing to experiment things and i think we'll just see that going forward yeah i just like i can't imagine like like i can imagine just playing your grinding station deck i can't imagine sitting down and building a grinding station deck right now that doesn't include mine's that doesn't include Moonsnare prototype. Like that seems kind of wild to me. I can because that deck isn't nearly as mana hungry as like an Urza deck is. Mm-hmm. Like I'm honestly more interested in synthesizer than prototype in the in the grinding station decks. Mm-hmm. But like for instance, the one that top aided by Diablo XSC has a lot of cards I've never even considered playing, and they were all legal like two weeks ago. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> who knows one thing also about experimental synthesizer and i don't know if there's any particular way to use this but it's an etb or leaves the battlefield trigger not like a a goes to the graveyard trigger so you know like if you bounce it with your teferi or something like that then you get a lot of triggers off of it your paradoxical outcome yeah yeah i mean if you bounce with paradoxical moonsnare prototype plus experimental synthesizer is enough that like is paradoxical outcome something could that could that be a thing so speaking of completely off the rails combo decks there's uh what is this this is a ptq 11th place is a mono red deck it's a it's a boros deck there's white cards in the sideboard that is a underworld breach deck Mm -hmm. but it's not a grinding station deck it's just Dragon's Rage Channeler, Raghavan, Rituals, Blood Moon, Burgi. And then it wants to assemble like some number of Dragon's Rage Channelers and either Mistress Bobble or Manamorphose to like go through your deck with an Underworld Breach because those are both free. Sure. Or Mana Positive with Burgi. Mm-hmm. And then Grape Shot them to death. Uh-huh. And this got 11th in the PTQ. It seems very easy to draw like the wrong side of your deck at times. But. I mean, yeah, almost every desperate ritual deck is going to have that issue. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I didn't say this was a completely sane and reasonable deck. I believe I described it as an off-the-wall. Like, at least Storm has all this card drawing to go with your desperate rituals. That's... What, did you not hear the part about Mishra's Bauble Mm. and Metamorphose? Like, we're not even even an expressive iteration deck, like... You're just like kind of counting on on God to give you the right cards to do the thing. Just come on, man. I just need them. Give me the metamorphoses. So you can put your Gigantha in your hand, mm. like your companion, and then you can discard Gigantha to Horn of Harnfell. Wow. Or whatever it's called. Harnfell, Horn of Bounty. Mm-hmm. And then you're off to the races. You two extra cards. Great. I love it. <laughs> Honestly, I think that deck list was the most experimental one I had seen in all of the big modern events this weekend. Yeah, and certainly no shade. Like, trying something like that and making it, like, 
definitely very cool to to come out and play with something like that. I was just a little disappointed that people couldn't do it with the new cards or didn't do it, whatever yeah. the case may be. Lion Sash, I think, found a like very clearly good home in Legacy. I think just like if you don't have a Lion Sash in your DNT deck, like you're making a mistake. So yeah, I agree with that. Just a a mid range Stoneforge Mystic deck. Like if we were if Stoneblade were a playable deck in modern, like you would probably just almost always have a lion sash in there and and legacy given the way that people use their graveyards like as a resource over the course of the game lion sash is that much better and uh just obviously play it in your 80 card dnt deck did you to like steer back into modern because mm. i saw another deck i liked i yeah. had to bring it up did you see the red black goblin bombardment deck that did well at the ptq yeah i did at art art so it's a ravenous squirrel deck. Okay, so there was a Goblin Bombardment deck also that did well in the modern SCG. So that also exists. Ooh, really? But I wonder if it's the it same. Might be the same list. So this is a Luris deck with like four squirrel, four bloodcast, four bombardment, and the cat oven combo. I think that this was that. Let me see if I can find it. Because you're you're a Luris deck with Urza Saga, and you've got Ravenous Squirrel, Ragavan, and the Cat Oven combo, which as we all know from historic the squirrel gets very large very quickly with cat oven <laughs> yes yes squirrel is really big if you have any of the like enablers next to it going on it's it's an impressive card the the one thing i do not i've played goblin apartment decks before the one thing i don't like about them is that you can't do anything with the card goblin bombardment after you have your first copy on the table yeah like you kind of just pray they prismatic ending it so you can do something with your other one <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really bad to draw in multiples um oh glad to go. see ravenous squirrel get love and this modern. is yeah this is top eight of the first 10k this is a a, a very different deck this is a collected company goblin bombardment deck with season yeah, pyros okay. and mayhem devils and ignore yeah, very different yeah Sounds like a almost like a pioneer deck or a historic deck from a, lot, a while ago. Yeah, kind. Of, I mean, it, you know, it's got the blood ghasts, which you, you need if you're running Goblin Bombardment. Yeah. But yeah, this is a four Grist the Hunger Tide deck, which ooh, I like that. Makes card. a lot of sense. But unfortunately, Grist and Luris don't play together. Which no, right? This is a deck that will be like something that I would be way more interested in looking at after Luris is banned. <laughs> Oh, after Luris is banned? That's a that's a decided thing in your mind now. I just can't see us continuing on with Luris and Modern forever. It just I I believe it will continue to compress the format and I, I don't know. We'll see. I hope you're right. <laughs> Do you want to talk about limited for just a, a minute or two? A hot minute? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't played minute. any, so you'll have to because I I said last time that I wasn't looking forward to this limited format because it looked like the only things that mattered would be artifacts and enchantments. Yeah, so I think those are like the funnest things, but I think this is a format where basically the thing that matters is like committing to your line. Build a deck, and there's a lot of different decks that are supported if you understand how to build them. I think one of the really wonderful things about this limited format which i've been having quite a bit of fun playing so far i think one of the wonderful things about this limited format is just the 
massive number of one mana spells that are totally playable. And most of them are not like super snowball-y one drops that you play on turn one and then they put your opponent in a hole. A couple of them are. Like probably the best common in the set is uh, Okaiba Reckoner Raid which is the one oh, black yeah. mana saga that drains them for one, drains them for one, and then turns into a 2-2 menace that gives your vehicles menace. It's both like extremely efficient because a 2-2 menace that drains your opponent for two should cost three mana, right? But this one costs one mana and then attacks on the same turn that the three mana one would start attacking on. So it's like kind of a suspend version of this thing that you just like put it on layaway and it does work and it's got great synergies with enchantment stuff it's got great synergies with ninja stuff and it just like is the best black common certainly and probably the best common in the set the other colors all have one drops at common though there's the the bird that taps in white uh, blue has Network Disruptor, which is the 1-1 one, one flying artifact creature that taps a permanent when it ETBs. Red has Experimental Synthesizer. Green has the one green mana, look at the top four, put an enchantment or land card into your hand, which like I 7 owed with a deck that had four copies of that card in it. Like <laughs> that, So there's just like really satisfying focused decks that you can build and take advantage of cards that are just not the type of cards that we've gotten to play with in a lot of limited formats. Like to have that cantrip, that cantrip was just ponder in my deck. And cuz I I had like 17 enchantments or something like that. Almost all of my non-enchantment spells were that cantrip. So and a lot of I know a lot of the cards in the set are like almost randomly enchantments. Mm -hmm. Like the Sedge Scorpion in this set, the 1/1 one, one death touch creature. Yep. Is an enchantment. Yep. Yep. Right. At Moon Circuit Hacker is an enchantment. So if you are green blue, that card becomes pretty good because even though that deck doesn't necessarily have a super super focused like archetype strategy to it, like green blue is actually a really good deck just playing super value cards focusing on sagas and just various ways. The the ninjas in green are really good for some reason. Uh, and, there's only like three of them but yeah. yeah but they're really good the kappa tech wrecker is incredibly powerful that's the one the one three turtle that enters with a death touch counter and you can if it hits them you can remove it to disenchant no it's better it exiles oh it exiles yeah yeah which is a lot better actually because of uh i think it's season of renewal season of renewal two and a green instant choose one or both, return a creature from your graveyard to your hand, return an enchantment from your graveyard to your hand. A lot, like multiple of my decks, I've had two or three of those in there, and that was just the engine that my deck was built around. You play your enchantments, you trade them off for stuff, and then you better than a two-for-one by returning a good creature and a good enchantment to your hand with that with that card. And uh, just like fun, grindy games, but also sometimes your opponent plays... Kumano faces Kakazan on turn one and then a two drop on turn two and then like two creatures on turn three and you're like oh well <laughs> shoot I probably shouldn't have put all of this value in my deck because I can't keep up with that and so there's just like matchups and weird archetypes and lots of different stuff that you can do I felt a little bit let down by like the blue black ninja deck it just doesn't feel very as cohesive or snowbally or powerful as some of the other decks do and like i'm more impressed with the ninjas in like a blue green shell a lot of the time 
And uh, other decks, though, have just had really satisfying play patterns. Like the red-black deck with a bunch of experimental synthesizers is super fun to play. I think that... So this is my, like, conspiracy theory. (laughs) But I think that the reason it makes a samurai when you sacrifice it instead of, like, doing anything else is for synergy with uh, Heiko Yamazaki, the general... So this is three and a red for a three, three, whatever a samurai you control attacks alone. You can choose an artifact from your graveyard and cast it this turn. So if you sacrifice your synthesizer, you get a samurai, you cast Heiko Yamazaki, the general attack with your samurai token alone, then you can recast your experimental synthesizer. So it's this really cute little synergy that now for the rest of time, as we play experimental synthesizer in our eternal formats as an Icker Wellspring, we get to like look at this samurai text that's there for like, you know, a cute little synergy combo with an uncommon in its limited format. See, I I had always thought it was a samurai just because they had a list of tokens to pick from. Sure, and that was the like red one. <laughs> it's just so weird for a thing that's like here's our like cyber egg, and then the thing that hatches from it is a samurai. Well, I thought it was like a like a cryogenics type of thing because there's a sword frozen in it. I don't actually know what the flavor of the card well, is. Well, a, synth- a synthesizer makes things, so okay. it's creating the samurai. Oh, it's but it's still white. It's not an artifact creature, right? Because they had to do a token thing. I guess uh, if you're building an army, you'd build it out of samurai, probably. So, well, not in this set because they like attacking alone. Oh, they that's my army true. To attack together. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the one X spell that creates a bunch of samurai. Yeah, to a attack. million samurai. <laughs> Except for your opponent gets one fewer. Uh, samurai is one deck that I just have no experience with drafting whatsoever. I have drafted pretty much everything else at least once or twice, and I have not gotten into a samurai deck. So I, I don't know how that deck works. I've been kind of impressed by just like mostly some of the rare samurai. The one that gives you an extra combat step when you attack with a samurai alone is like really gnarly. But I do find myself drafting green enchantment-based stuff a lot. Kind of The sagas are really cool. My my favorite go-to is like green enchantments often leaning towards blue more than white because the modern age is so good. That's the two mana blue saga that loots and then loots and then turns into a 2/3 flyer. And there's just like a million useful things you can do with it. And also two, three flyers, a fantastic body. And then it's really, really easy to splash white because the five drop enchantment creature is four and a white for a four, four vigilance enchantment creature. And it has a plane cycling for two mana as its channel ability. And since it's two generic mana, you just have access to enough white mana, basically, even with just one planes in your deck. To your planes, yeah. What is this note you have here about containment construct? Oh, that card's so good. So this is the two mana two one that whenever you discard a card, you can exile it and then you can play it this turn. And it just has a million cards that it's good with in the set. The the modern age, it's fantastic with. There is, I think it's called Sky Swimmer Koi, but that's three and a blue for a three three flyer. When you cast an artifact spell, you get to loot. There's just enough looting that... Uh, containment construct just draws you a card every turn it sits there basically it's really really good most obviously with uh, reinforced ronin which is the (laughs) yeah channel it discard it a draw card then you can play it for a mana then it goes back into your hand you can do it again yeah that is really sick that 
yeah, like, and, and, but the thing is like, there are all these really cool value engines, but you do have to keep in mind that your opponent might just have like several good one drop creatures in their deck and be ready to just run you down. Like a hyper aggressive deck can be drafted in this format. And if you're not ready for it and you're just like focusing super hard on the value stuff, then you can get run over. So I've just enjoyed all of the different matchups and trying to be ready for what your opponent can do. And sometimes just getting absolutely demolished by like like several times I've played a game and my opponent has just like shown me something that I hadn't realized you could do in the format. That's cool. That's a good format then. Entirely value driven formats are very boring to me. Yeah. No, you can just die. I've died on I actually I, I didn't send you the screenshot. I, I tried to send it to you. I accidentally sent it to Lauren, who would not appreciate <laughs> it. Okay, I, I don't know where I put it, but it was uh turn two double uh kumana faces kakazan turn three a creature i I think it was like the boar (laughs) the three two boar with trample that's an equipment so it got two plus one plus one counters and then turn four the raiju so just like Uh, attack with my kumanos yeah i we did not get to combat damage that turn that that game was over (laughs) i don't think i would have made it there either sandbagging the kumanos to make sure that you get the plus one plus one counter out of it is really really important so if you're playing with that card just you know don't just slam it on turn one if you don't have a two drop think about what you're doing with this thing then whiff on your two and be sad it's not a great not a great one getting the plus one plus one counter is really really important and that two two is like relevant all game especially because there's a lot of graveyard stuff and exiling their creatures is actually pretty good does it have to deal the damage or is it with it a source you control yeah okay so it's, I'm just curious because the the way those old cards were worded in the first comic out was they had to deal the damage to exile it. Yeah. They were the, no, this the is just a, a really good wording of that effect. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, so if you haven't played this format yet, I would definitely suggest you try it. It may not be for everyone, but it's definitely not just artifacts and enchantments. Those are my favorite two decks to draft, and I will happily first pick a of Michiko's Reign of Truth, but there's a lot of stuff that you can do that is very cool and fun, and I, I think it's a... We'll see how things go, but it's been really enjoyable so far. Oh, cool. I I would snap off a draft in a heartbeat if mm-hmm. like I hadn't already installed Arena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like I just... Moto is just so hard to look at. It's just, I just can't do it. So I, I don't know how to recommend to someone to play. Like, I can't recommend to, to somebody to go online and, and play some Kamigawa draft because, like, the options are terrible. Seems pretty fun, though. Yeah. I mean, if you <laughs> I mean, if you got a store that's open, you can go draft during an FNM. I would highly, highly recommend doing so. I will definitely be able to play with some of the new cards in Limited at some point for sure. Yeah. I have no doubt about that. Anything else you want to talk about? No, this was a, a casual week, as you said. Yeah, we went a lot more in depth than I thought we would. <laughs> I just, I was like feeling burnt and like uninterested in magic, even like during preview season and stuff. It was just like, eh, I don't know. Like it's it's hard. And then I just like played with some of these cards, both in constructed and in limited, and it's just like, I don't know. I like this set. I like these cards. This set is. The best set in, I think, years. It's it's really well designed. 
I, I hope the next few sets are equally as good. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm very hesitant about Streets of New Capenna because it's a stupid multicolored set. Yeah. And, and the worst thing about multicolored like... sets. Yeah. No, it, the worst thing to me about them is that their mana cost skews so high. Mm-hmm. So it's so hard to like have relevant cards that reach back to older formats. Yeah. Yeah, because how many multicolored cards see play in old formats? It's like not very many. I think it's more than that question would make it seem, but it's not like they're ubiquitous. I mean, they're all like role players. Right, right. Like, but, but like list like the top 20 most played cards in modern. You get like yeah, Ren and Six and, yeah, Ren and, and sure. Expressive Iteration. Omnath, probably. I guess maybe Omnath. Luris. <laughs> Does Luris count? Hybrid hey, is not she's the same multicolored. as multicolored. Hybrid is the opposite of multicolored. Yes, hybrid is more closer to the extra monocolored. Yes, it's almost colorless. <laughs> yeah, no, this set is is really cool. Also, aesthetically, the vibe of cyberpunk, but it still feels like it belongs in Magic the Gathering. I, I think I was watching Spike's stream, and he pointed out, like, none of these cards have guns on them. Like, they might have, like, you know, space swords, but that still feels fine. And everything just still kind of works within what's going on, what you expect from magic. And even if they're hacking computers, like there's like kind of magic computers or whatever, and it it just sort of overall works. And I think the set looks and feels great. I, I do too. I I really hope the next few sets are in this vein. Yeah. Because if they made like Throne of Eldraine had its like series of sets after it that were really the same <laughs> i hope kamigawa has the same thing the influence but, yeah yeah i mean right it does feel like streets of new capenna does feel like a set that could take like at least aesthetic and like conceptual direction from kamigawa you know like the crime lord set is not that far away from the like the futurist set. Yeah, yeah yeah but mechanically a multicolor set is pretty different from an artifact set so and, and a pretty, like, heavy monocolored mm-hmm. leaning one, too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. High hopes, though. The set is really, really cool so far. Yeah. I'm looking forward to when people actually get their hands on the cards and start playing with them. Yes. Because we, we see it for standard because you're, like, forced into it. There's no There's no way around it. But for the older formats, it feels like people just struggle. Mm-hmm. They were struggling until like all the cards are super available and people start trying things. That's what I'm looking forward to. The tournament's next week and the week after. Yeah. There's also just like a certain amount of hesitation to fully experiment in tournaments that are costing you money to enter until you have at least some amount of idea that like, yeah, this is good. Like, this is okay. Yeah. I... I maybe there's different types of players in those situations Mm -hmm. like i I see where you're coming from but i know several people in tournaments would not care about that as long as they think the idea is solid right like dom is not going to be afraid to put the cards in his deck that he thinks will work so i i wouldn't be either if i were playing these tournaments Mm -hmm. like i would just play with whatever i thought was could be good so i know that's not what's holding some people back right like that that's going to be the case forever no matter what the set is you know yeah yeah definitely so we'll see well cool i think that should be it for us for today 
Thanks everybody so much for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. If you'd like to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. If you want to find us on social media, I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I am at Lee McCleo. Thanks so much and have a great week. Goodbye.